Welcome to a special edition of the Programmatic Digest podcast. In this particular episode, I'm pulling from the Reach and Frequency course. That is a course that we've created here at Ellen Parker Consulting, teaching somebody with no programmatic or marketing experience on how to become the best programmatic ninja they, they can be. It is such a great course, and um, this particular lesson is going to focus on programmatic activation. So let me just tell you really quick before we get into the uh, the interview, uh, the episode. Programmatic activation is what we call the process of actually launching a campaign, a programmatic campaign. So usually we focus a lot on the platform, but our framework teaches three things when it comes to programmatic activation. Uh, platform, right? The DSP, how to best set up, what else is needed, uh, process, and then the people. The true, the, the secret about the success of programmatic activation is in the people, not so much the platform. And you need to implement standardized process to bridge the two. So in this particular episode, we're going to focus on the people. I'm going to give you my million dollar, uh, I call it the million dollar juicy sauce, but uh, it's basically just the secrets that I share, the consulting um that I share with my clients when it comes to hiring the programmatic ninja, when it comes to onboarding them and how to retain. I hope you enjoy. Again, it's a free lesson from the program uh, from the reach and frequency course. It is on programmatic activation, focusing on people. So enjoy. All right, welcome to module six, lesson three. The last part, the last P of this framework is people. From the programmatic activation, it's people. So in this module, we covered, actually we covered a few grounds here. Uh, we understand now what programmatic activation is. So we understand who's involved, what to use. And if you're part of my exclusive live training class, you probably had at least a couple DSP training by now. So now we're going to understand the mindset, like what it is that makes a, the, the team, the people in the team, super successful when it comes to programmatic activation. And so why do you try to form a team? Because teamwork builds trust and trust builds speeds. And this is a quote I find from Russell Honoré. The key takeaways of this lesson is the hiring process, like how to hire the perfect programmatic ninja, how to onboard them, how to retain them. So we'll touch uh, quite a few here as well. So let's get into it. So what skills do you look for when hiring programmatic ninja? Well, you've already seen this in a previous module where we talked about most the average-ish uh, job job description looks a little like this. Like know that you're going to manage the data to programmatic activate uh advertising activities in DSPs. Um, you're going to manage the, the maintenance of some tracking. You're going to be responsible for um, optimization on those formats that you talked about in module five, four. Um, you might be called during the planning, um, et cetera. But these are, I'm going to call this like the programmatic ninja mindset. This is what you probably already are. You're, you need to be curious enough and you need to have attention to details. I mean, we just reviewed in the process lesson how things can go out of hand. There's so many moving pieces. So being as organized as possible 
can really help you become efficient and do things faster than, you know, more efficient, faster with the little effort and little uh, energy and uh, time. So the curious part here is the fact that as you're managing your campaign, you're going to be have to be critical, have critical thinking. And what I mean by that is that you're going to see something and you're going to want to go find out the why. And that's what I mean, curious. So a great, a great programmatic ninja is curious, is, has critical thinking, their attention to details. They have effective communication uh, skills, that which means they're able to look at what's happening in the platform, what's happening in their report on that Excel sheet or on the dashboard, and effectively communicate it to somebody else that has no idea. Um, Sometimes you'll even be pulled into presentation of your campaign performance and you'll have VP of marketing. Um, if that person isn't in the platform every day, they're not going to know what a base bid is. So it's up to you to really explain <clears throat> the best to your best of your ability, what uh, the role of a base bid and if it's even important for them to know. Um, you got to have some integrity because... Um, it's up to us to make sure that the brand integrity is always valued and always in the forefront. And that means that sometimes you'll see in your inventory, you'll see some stuff like some sites that just look weird. Honestly, it looks weird. Then you have to have integrity to just remove it. You have to follow your data. It has to be a data-driven uh, decision, but at the same time, you want to make sure that you're serving the ad in an environment that is going to make you proud and your mama proud. Um, you got to be resilient. You got to keep going, trying every time. One failure does not define you as a person. It does not define your intelligence. It does not define who you are. So trust and believe you will make some uh, some errors. You will make some mistakes and that is okay. Just get back up. My great friend, Bryn Drescher, she is a, a mental uh, advantage coach, uh, She a mental performance coach, excuse me, and she has a podcast called The Mental Advantage Podcast. Check it out. It's not on the screen. Uh, I, sh I should have a um, um, QR code for her, but look her up, Mental Advantage Podcast. And Bryn said, are you going to fall down to the challenge, to the obstacle, or rise up to it? So I'm going to challenge you to rise up. It's going to feel sucky, some of those mistakes you're going to make, but that is okay. I can promise you, you are never going to make a mistake as bad as I did. <laughs> as bad as I did. And I have a list of them, okay? You can call me. We can talk about it anytime. Matter of fact, I'm going to challenge you. If there's a time where you made that mistake and you feel terrible about it, call me, reach out to a friend and be like, yo, I did this and I feel terrible because I'm going to remind you how fucking awesome you are and how one mistake does not define you. So be resilient into, um, into your day-to-day. -day. Understand that failures means you're trying and that you, most of the failures you might make can be <laughs> standardized or can be implemented in a process. We can create a process for you to not make it again, Okay. Um, be organized. I, attention to details and being organized is really important. Be open-minded. Sometimes you're going to see things. You're going to be like, I don't understand why this is working, but it's working. So let's keep moving. You got to be open-minded. And also the biggest thing about being open-minded is that with social injustice happening in the U.S. and the rest of the world, with all of the conflict, with racism, with, um, um, 
everything that's happening with bullying, with, with all the injustice, all the bad things we tell our kids not to do. Be open-minded. Something is going to look weird. That is why I'm a big advocate of diversity, equity, and inclusion and representation because you got to teach yourself how to be open-minded. If most of the people around you or the people you're in communication every day look like you, you got to change your environment or you got to invite some people that don't look or sound like you're into your environment. Develop that, this at home. Dive DEI is learn at home first before it's brought into work. But, but guess what? Okay. Tristan Walker said that, and he's the one who created Bevel, the Bevel brands. He said, let me find it. Uh, oh goodness. I can't find a quote anymore that, uh, diversity is super important. <laughs> Asura, I, I, I know the quote. I just forgot about it. Anyway, um, oh, I'm bummed that I can't find my quote anymore. But he said that, and I, I'm quoting, I'm uh, referring here. I'm not quoting word for word. But he said that diversity is important because it brings different perspective. And every diverse team that he's worked with, for, or most every diverse team, team that has diverse people in the team, um, tend to outperform people that don't. Okay, and there's a reason why brands want to work with uh, a team, especially a marketing team that has people that are different backgrounds, sounds different, look different, are from a different area in their life, different time of their lives, because their that perspective comes into play and brings magic. So be open minded. Okay, understand that we all have personal biases and that is okay. However, your way is not the only way and be open-minded. So when you see something, speak up. When you see that is something is, I know we work in a targeted world, but if there's something that don't feel right deep down, step, stand up and say something, okay? Um, all right. So moving on to the final three, three skill sets, I think are really important. And I know, so it's, you got to be comfortable with Excel. Okay. Because you're going to have to be pulling some of those sheets. Um, and so, and some of those Excel sheets and optimizing because all the data that comes from the DSP will be pulled into, a into an Excel, some DSP offer dashboard, which is cool. Um, but to be able to have flexibility in how you wanna optimize and pivot this information, you're gonna to have to be comfortable with Excel. There are some Excel's training I can recommend. Miss Excel does a great job. There are a bunch of Excel training on YouTube. So make sure you refer, uh, refer to it. The biggest thing is learning how to pivot, <laughs> how to pivot, uh, you know, pivot and highlight, uh, do some formulas, like summing, summing the formulas, pulling an average. Um, I would say uh, something like a VLOOKUP can always come handy when you're you're comparing data. Uh, but I would say pivoting the, the typical formulas, those two things are the most important here. And then great writing skill and presentation skill, because again, as I mentioned, to be an effective communicator, you gotta be able to write well about it and to present it to somebody. And you go, you know, uh, most of us are ambivert, most of us are introvert, which means like we are not as comfortable in front of people, but that is okay. Here, you are the expert, so your confidence is gonna outshine no matter what. So be confident about the data you're presenting. If there's questions that are coming up and you don't understand, it's cool to say, you know what? I think that's an excellent question and I'm going to get, have to come back to you with a, um, 
a relevant, uh, a substantial answer. At this time, I am not quite sure, uh, but I can look up or I can find out and let you know in the next few days or X amount of time. Or, you know, like it's okay to admit you don't know, but I'm gonna find out for you. I'm gonna find out for sure. Okay. Um, so be confident no matter what, no matter what level you are of expertise, you can write a summary of your data and you can present it. Just go at it with this mentality, with this mindset. I can't be an effective communicator. I don't care if I have an accent. I don't even care if I'm butchering half of those words, but the people on the receiving end will understand. And guess what? Most people love a good buzzword, but that's actually not a good way to communicate. As long as you're able to communicate to the little person inside of your audience, okay? Because we all have a little girl, I have a little boy inside of us. If you're able to communicate with that little girl and that little boy, then the connection is established and then the information is received correctly. So make sure you know how to connect with those people, find out a little bit more about themselves, and then make sure you incorporate those examples or know how to um, express yourself from there. Here are a few red flags. If you, after a while, you 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 have lack of ownership, like you're not taking on projects, or if you're a manager and you're seeing that your team is not uh, taking on more ownership, excuse me, a lack of creativity or a lack of critical thinking, like you're gonna have to be creative in some of those ad groups. Like you go, they gonna tell you, I need to target this, and you're gonna have to add this audience, exclude this, add this category, make sure you have a recency at this frequency. Like you're gonna have to be creative, but that's okay. That's what makes it exciting, right? Um, and then if you have misaligned goals, um, if it's all about the money. I don't know. I don't know if this is for you. And I'm going to be hella frank for you that you can make really great, a great living here. Matter of fact, in the episode with Theron Oliphant, where we talk about data privacy um, on the Programmatic Digest podcast, he mentioned that you can make a great living uh, working in this industry. Let me not, let me start there. However, you're, it's going to, you're going to have to have other things to pull from. Okay, so salary is important. Don't get me wrong. Salary is important, but other flexibility in terms of benefits, what you're learning, a career path can also be important. So when you your your goal, your personal goal don't align with the company's goal, I think it's a red flag and I don't think it's the right it's the right um path for you but if it's aligning here and you can compromise here and they compromise here and there's flexibility then maybe maybe you should go for it all right so let's talk about onboarding um which is an hr term referring to the process of introducing a newly hired employee into an organization okay um so an organization with poor onboarding processes are twice as likely to experience employee turnover that means that after a few months they're gone because it's a hot mess. You don't know who's who, who's what, and et cetera. And this is pulled from uh, the study from Lorman. Um, honestly, when you're onboarding on a new company, it can take between three weeks to three months. It depends. And, and that's okay. Good things take time. Uh, so if you're hiring manager and you're listening to this, good things take times. It can take even less if you have most of those standardized, which could be any of those documents referred but it can be take more time if you're hiring somebody with maybe less experience. Um, actually, experience has nothing to do with onboarding, excuse me. But if you're hiring somebody that um, has um, that has somebody, but 
that I'm sorry, if you're hiring somebody, but you don't have some of those processes into place, that's what I meant to say. <laughs> that's what I meant to say. Um, so here's some of the standardization that you can implement maybe today, maybe tomorrow. And if you're, if you're on the, if you're a candidate, those things are important to ask. It is okay to say, hi, uh, during the onboarding process, what is the onboard, uh, ask how long the onboarding process is, ask them what is the onboarding process internally and if they ask if they give you the, the typical answer then ask specific question oh what can you tell us about the company if you had uh, two minutes to tell me about the company what would you say about the company the founder what their values are um some of the internal and external processes it's okay to ask this even at the hiring uh process i mean at the interviewing process and when you ask about those internal process really ask oh well how long does it take to launch a campaign what's the average um sometimes the person that's hiring you don't have the answer maybe it's the your manager you direct your direct report and that's okay to ask them as well you can ask them to talk to them before you make the final decision but how is how do we represent the company? Do we have a good two, three lines to elevator pitch pitch so that if we're posting about a success of our company, can we post on social media? Um, what is the checklist for the people to understand? Like have a checklist of the onboarding timeline because day one, day, week one, you should have all of this done. Week two, you should have talked to these people, like have a training timeline individually and with a team. And here's the best advice I was given is to create an inspire a mentoring program. What I mean by that is when you give your new employee or as a candidate, you can require to have a strict timeline that is going to give you an opportunity to see where you're going. So you can tell them peoples, their hiring manager in a diplomatic way, where do you want to go uh, a week, uh, I'm sorry, six months from now, when are we going, uh, where do you expect me to be? Have that in the timeline, right? Let them put that into the timeline so you know how what skill set you need to work on until this day. So six months to a year to two years to five years, it depends, two to three years, five, five years, it depends. But have that in the timeline. And, and if you have that in the timeline, make sure they let you know from this position, how can I move up? How can I be promoted? What can I do to start working on so that in the next year from now, we can talk about me being a lead, me being a senior. You don't have to expertise does not come with how long, how long you've worked in this industry. Trust me. In three months working with an individual, she's she like caught on to every single concept and she had the level of somebody working in the industry for five years, okay? So, and sometimes, sometimes we get distracted with the amount of years working in the in industry. Don't get me wrong, but it's going to be up to you to prove to them that, oh no, I got this. Now I'm still learning every day. And even if you're in the industry for eight years, you should still be learning every day. But here is like, I'm able to hold conversation and say this and still learn and still be open-minded. So, so have required this, this mentoring program and, and require them to give you somebody within the department that doesn't work with you um, to talk to them once a month and somebody outside. So let's say you want to talk to, because that way it gives you different perspective, right? You are hearing from a leader um, from the creative, creative team. And then you have a meeting, a mentoring program, a mentoring meeting with, um, 
the VP of media and then the VP of, of creative or something like that, of the VP of sale. And maybe as you're talking to those different individuals in different departments, you'll be given a different perspective and maybe you'll want to switch or maybe you'll <laughs> it'll reaffirm what you really want to do. So require and suggest that. Is it okay if we implement this in the next three months? Because it takes time with the company. And it's not complicated to implement a mentoring program. It's literally you reaching out to the two individual and locking a calendar. And once a month, you're talking to them. You don't have to sign anything. Don't have to be fancy. It can be that simple, okay? And then have check-ins. Require daily check-ins in the first three months or, well, it depends. During this onboarding time, require your hiring boss, your managing director, your direct lead, your supervisor, whoever, to have daily quick check-in. Send them an email. Hey, today was a great day. I feel really inspired. Um, here's quite a, a few things I've gone through. Here's a question that I have. Or this week has been great. These are the uh, challenges I, I'm still going through right now. But here are some wins. If you're going to uh, do those daily check-ins, please make sure... Okay, I know you're looking at me in my little window. I should have I should have stopped sharing, but please make sure to recap the challenge and the wins. I'm going to challenge you to recap the wins. If you come across something that helped, if something that you did made you happy, if you felt gratitude by doing by doing some type of action in your day to day, that is a win. I felt really grateful being here and being able to learn from this person. And this is what I learned. I am really, uh, you know, I helped this person do that and I feel really confident about this. All of this is things because now you're showing authority. You're showing authority to that hiring manager. You're letting them know like, I'm learning this and this. This still a challenge. It's not, a, it's not going to be a, a wall that's going to stop me. It's just going to be a little bump in the road, but I got this. And these are the, uh, these are every jump I've made that made me great. So bring two wins, one obstacle, two wins, one obstacle. Weigh outweigh the positive with an uh from the negative. Two wins and a challenge. So make sure these are included in your daily check-ins. And honestly, as you're doing this, like it's also you're also keeping a track of your progress, your accomplishments, your challenges. And six months from now, you can go back and look at all your receipts and say, Oh, I've gone a, I've grown really well from this. Okay. Especially if in the way, in, on the journey, you've received compliment by somebody else. It doesn't matter. Say thank you, take a screenshot, put it on the side so that you can remind those people how great you are, okay? All right, so let's quickly talk about retention because turnover is costly and most can't afford to lose their top performing employees. So 74% of surveyed employees feel they aren't reaching full potential at work due to lack of development opportunities. And this is again from the Lorman study. Um, so retention rate rise 30 to 50% for companies with strong learning cultures. 30 to 50% is crazy. Because all you had to do as a company, as a leader, as a hiring manager, or as a managing manager, uh, managing director, is provide a timeline where you're encouraging your employees to continue developing, whether it's professionally or personally. Let's normalize self-development, personal self-development. Okay, that's important. We got to be great people at work. Therefore, we got to be, you know, we got to personally work on ourselves, offer incentives. Offer incentives, make sure that you, I remember my very first job actually was at, um, 
Dominion Enterprises, my really first marketing job. And they they had this those health challenges where when you logged in the amount of time you worked out during the week, you were eligible to win a few things. And there was multiple gifts like, oh, you can claim uh, a free day, like a free paid, uh, a paid uh, day off at your convenience, right? Without using your own uh, PTO, your own personal time off. Um, a bunch of them was like free lunch for you and your family, something like that. And then the biggest, I think the larger was like a short trip somewhere, uh, movie tickets that was post uh, pre-pandemic and that was back in 2012, okay? Um, so incentivize your people. And if you're listening to this and be like, this is great, why is my company doing this? Bring it up, bring it up. Let them know we are in a remote <laughs> virtual world right now. It would be nice to be incentivized to walk a little bit more often and to hug out pets. So make sure you bring this up and and please prioritize your self-development, whether your company is doing it for you or not. Prioritize it. Make sure you take some time to work on yourself physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. Here's one of my favorite person in the world, Tasha Salsa said, uh, retain top performance by understanding what motivates them. Leadership matters. It is so crazy. I am in a group called the Women in Programmatic Media Network. It is a global network and it's mainly... Uh, it's million to European market, but it's coming to the US. So by the time you're watching this, it probably is going to be in the US. But somebody shared this, right? In August, The Drum, which is an online magazine, um, posted a, uh, The Drum posted a poll on LinkedIn. And this is what it says. What is your main cause of workplace stress or workplace mental health issues? And some of the response were 7% of the 653 vote total. 7% says it's workplace conflict. 31% says long hours workload. 40% said poor boss and management team. And then the rest, 21% says the cost of living crisis. So 40% of those 653 individual men, women, wh whoever, however you identify, said that the main cause of workplace stress and mental health issues is poor boss. Can you imagine? So leadership matters. You have to inspire and you don't have to have the title manager, director, VP, or whatever nowadays has a manager. You don't have to be a manager to show your leadership, be a servant leader, inspire inspire somebody else, encourage somebody else, make sure that you help them see the positive versus the negative, because we think eight thoughts out of 10 are negative in our brain naturally. And this is scientifically proven. You can Google it and show uh, and see yourself. So it's so easy to think negative. So make sure you think, um, I'm sorry, make sure you encourage somebody else. Just be kind. Sometimes it's kindness. Everybody's having a, a rough time, but it's not an excuse to be rude. Okay. It's not an excuse for you to talk to me a certain way. So leadership matters opportunities for employee to grow as an employee you can require that timeline yo give me some hope here how where are you trying to see me going like what can i do to get there faster for you and for me because by me growing it shows retention it shows loyalty and then it shows leadership from me um company kirks matter less than we think you know those free pizzas on fridays matter less than 
uh, a paid a fair wage. Okay, so it's it's nice though, but it it matters less. Than we <laughs> Work flexibility, fair wages, pay your people well, pay them fair. It's tough out here in these streets. Just pay them fair. And if you're listening to this again. The biggest thing, your biggest skill set is to remain open-minded, confident, and um, have integrity for asking the salary you know you deserve because we are overachiever. Every single people here listening, I know for a fact you're overachiever. If you're taking this course, especially if it's not paid by a company, you're already overachiever. You're learning a scale, a new skill on your own. That's fucking amazing. Excuse my language. Hopefully there's no kids in the background or dogs or cats. Um, so you're overachiever. So make sure you demand a salary that's high enough. Okay. A fair one, because you already know you're going to be three, four times more of the work you're going to require. Now, now that's not something I want to normalize and I'm not saying that it's okay to do so, but just make sure you're, you're fair with yourself because you're always, you, you won't kill it. Okay. And some of the benefit does include spending time with family. How much vacation do we get? Can I just literally lock out at 1 PM and then go to my son's uh, soccer game? Is that okay? Do we have unlimited vacation? Because you know what? 90% of Americans don't take vacation anyway. So it's no waste. Um, do we have good quality insurance? You know, pizza Fridays is just the icing on the cake, <laughs> like we say. Um, but here are some signs that you are in a toxic environment. So team, and this is also from my good friend, Tasha Sousa. Um, she, uh, again, she built a multitude of teams from ground up, literally was the first trader and ended up being a director at an agency trading desk. If you remember what it is, if you don't remember what it is, go back to module two, um, where she built up like a team of 20 plus, I want to say, and for like three, four years. And that team is on lock. It's automated. Okay. She's amazing. Matter of fact, Go back on the previous slide, um, scan her QR code and connect with her on LinkedIn. All right. So if the team stops speaking up or pushing the envelope for a raise, a promotion or that training that they're asking, they probably checked off. When they stop showing interest in the job, like, oh, they just show up to show up, right? And you feel that energy, passive aggressiveness, they probably check out. They're probably, they're probably interviewing somewhere. Uh, if they're not enjoying the process anymore, if you are literally talking to them and they're like, I don't know, you can see even virtually, you can tell what somebody is not enjoying something. Okay. And then if the management is my way or the highway mentality, that is a toxic environment. And I'm sure right now you might be listening and you're like, actually, I can add this, 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 this. If you can add these, you know, they're toxic. You got to go. You got to go. You deserve to thrive in an environment of support, an environment of love, an environment of harmony, and a, an environment of peace. You are deserving of this. You're worthy of this. Therefore, if you're in an environment where some of those things are really hurting your heart at the moment, you can change. Holla at me. I can help you change. I can help you change your situation and find another job for you. Uh, that was a shameless plug, but, um, but yeah, but in all seriousness, if you, if you identify with some of them or even more, it's time for a change and it's okay for change. Change is great. The first step is always the hardest, but change is great. All right. So, oh, 
that's it. <laughs> um, all right. So the biggest thing about programmatic activation is uh, not only the platform, it is the people, how to make sure the people are encouraged and thriving and you bridge the two with the process. So the success of a programmatic media department is the people. Um, now you got to focus on hiring the soft skill because the technical skills can always be taught. It can be taught. Okay. And standardization of the hiring process, the onboarding process and the retention efforts of your team is important. And you got to be flexible. You got to keep learning. It's not always about fitting in, but rather adding to the culture. Daniel Leslie said, she doesn't, we don't like when we say, oh, it's not a cultural fit. No. It's not going to be cultural fit, but it's going to be a cultural add. I'm going to add onto this culture with being me, being myself, and with the values that I have and the dedication that I have. So be the culture add I know you can be, and then let me know what you think.